I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... In 2030, we're still going to be watching the Washington football team games on broadcast television. So there's this whole trend to streaming. It's an undeniable, unmistakable trend. Cord cutting is happening, but television for the NFL is still going to be television and broadcast through 2030. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. Hey there, it's What's Working Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh, and we are excited to have today John Arand. John's our guest. He's the media reporter for Sports Business Journal, and we're going to talk about sports not only Washington, D.C., but nationally and even internationally. Three things stood out in our conversation that you will find fascinating. Number one, the amount of money at stake. Eye-popping. Number two, cities and teams. Positive relationship? Sometimes, maybe not. And lastly, new sports. Will we see other major sports erupt here in the Washington, D.C. market? You'll enjoy this conversation. John is the media reporter, Sports Business Journal. How about that for a great job? Maybe a dream job. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, I am a sports fan. I've played a bunch of sports. I'm from Baltimore, so I had to play lacrosse amongst other sports. But the Washington, D.C. market and your coverage of it, I'm sure, has been, I don't know about a dream job, but it's probably been an extraordinarily exciting and eventful job. So, Tell our listeners how you got here. Well, I, I uh, went to the University of Maryland. I'm a local a local kid, so I grew up in D.C., one of the D.C. natives, and I ended up getting a job at a local newspaper called the Gazette Newspaper Chain yep. uh, in Montgomery County, Maryland. It was a yep. weekly newspaper owned by the Washington Post. Eventually, I had to get a raise, so I, I <laughs> ended up going into trade publishing, and I started covering the media business for I was the editor of Cable World magazine. I ran a, a bunch of different magazines that were focused on the media business. When this opening came up at Sports Business Journal, uh, and they needed a media reporter, and I didn't necessarily have to write about poll attachment fees anymore. I could write about ESPN, or I could write about the NBC Sports Network, and that was a dream job for me. So I, I, I went, I took that in 2006, and I've been running ever since. Wow. You know, it's funny, just as a sidebar, I was speaking with an attorney who works for Disney recently, this was a few days ago. This attorney is now doing a lot of work with ESPN. And this attorney told me that the internal nickname for ESPN in the Disney empire is ESPN Ron. <laughs> How about that? This is crazy. The way things have changed, ESPN yeah. was the moneymaker for Disney yeah. for so long. And, and one of the biggest stories that I report on now that's really affecting the local sports areas, too, is the fact that there are fewer people that are subscribing to cable. Right. And so ESPN now is making less money than they'd made before. And now it's almost... Uh, being dragged along by Disney as opposed to actually driving Disney. Well, you know Cable World, and you spent time there. I worked at home box office in the early 80s in New York and spent a lot of time in the cable industry, so you'll know the economics of how much of the your annual of your monthly cable bill went into the pockets of the four-letter network in uh, or the four-letter group up in, up in Connecticut. To your point, over the top and, and the other arenas and other uh, pathways to enjoy sports has eaten into those monthly fees that they used to get. Well, it was an incredible business because if you take the regional sports networks, too, so you have Masson here and you have uh, NBC Sports Washington, they are seen by, at most, 20% of the entire subscriber base of, of, of cable. So you have 80% of cable that's effectively uh, subsidizing the sports watching for everybody else. So as, as cord cutting is happening and as people are leaving the cable systems, you have teams like the the Nationals, the Orioles, the Capitals, the Wizards, 
all of a sudden they're they're seeing potential rights fees also potentially going down, and they wow. haven't seen that in, in decades. I didn't know the ratio was that dramatic. That's yeah. a big deal. It, well, that was always a big complaint. Everybody wanted to, to go a la carte. They wanted to be able to pick what they wanted to watch. And we have that now, and all of a sudden you need to get – Paramount Plus or Netflix or uh, don't get me started. Amazon Prime. The, 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 the bundle of cable, what, it, it was a great value, and I think people are starting to realize that now. Yeah, well, it, we used to say back in the day when I was at HBO that people like to buy a lot of stuff and then figure out which part of it they enjoy. And if you ask them which part they enjoyed, they actually didn't know from month to month. So we're now being asked to sign up, to your point, on this sort of patchwork quilt of stuff. And i got to tell you – we're here to talk to you about sports, but I can't tell between Hulu, Hulu Plus, Disney, Disney Plus, HBO's Max. I can't tell which part I would, I need to watch. And I certainly can't tell, and maybe this is my next question, where I can get a live football game, like the Ravens playing or the Redskins playing. Those rights and where you can see them seem to be a patchwork quilt. Tell me what it's been like following the economics. Let's take a, a local team, Washington <laughs> football team. What has it been like? tracking their media profile and how viewers can enjoy the games on TV. Well, the NFL is a, is a special case because in the media industry, there's, been, there's a huge trend, as you just said, towards streaming. And so if you like entertainment programming, if you want to watch Ted Lasso, you're subscribing to uh, Apple Plus. Yeah. You know, you're subscribing to, to Netflix for, for various shows. And the people that have been leaving cable TV ecosystem they're entertainment watchers. They're not the sports fans. Sports fans generally have been, have been sticking around and 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 sticking with it uh, yeah. so far. But what I find to be interesting, the NFL just did uh, $110 billion worth of rights deals. and, and What? It, with uh, ESPN, with NBC, with CBS, with Fox. That take, that take, John, hold on. Let's make sure our listeners got that number right. $110 billion in rights deals for the NFL. Yeah, what, what you just said? What's a couple billion between <laughs> friends, right? right? Exactly. Uh, it, it's, it's a inc- rounding error. It's incredible but, uh, because the TV networks know that uh, the NFL is the most popular programming on television. Yep. And it's it's reliable programming. They know within a tenth of a rating point pretty much what every game is, is going to get. There, yeah. there are no surprises there. And so they're paying big time for it because it's, it's what's holding up this whole – the whole uh, TV business, uh, basically. What's so interesting about that to me is that in 2030, we're still going to be watching the Washington football team games on broadcast television. Yep. And th- and that's what that says. So there's this whole trend to streaming. It's an undeniable, unmistakable trend. Cord cutting is happening. But television for the NFL is still going to be uh, television and broadcast through 2030. NHL is the same deal. They did a huge deal with uh, Turner Broadcasting and with uh, with ESPN, but every single playoff game is going to be on traditional linear television until 2027 or wow. so. So they're, they're still making these bets. They're, they're testing the streaming waters, but they're making the big, big bets on, uh, on television still. Here on What's Working in Washington, we had a great guest recently on episode 401 with uh, my buddy David Goodfriend, and David and I are on the board of an organization called Sports Fans Coalition. I told you about sure, it. Where yeah. We were able to um, – we represent the fans. We're a not-for-profit lobbying firm for the fans. And we were able to get rid of the blackout rule, which, to your point on $110 billion, if you recall the rule, uh, said that if the stadium wasn't – I forget, it was some percentage effectively sold out, close to sold out, the local city would not get the broadcast of the game, which seemed unfair. And Senator McCain and Senator Blumenthal agreed with this, and the blackout rule 
And I got to tell you, I, I feel even better about that deal now. If it's $110 billion for the NFL, that is eye-popping. You mentioned NHL. So let's go through the Washington marketplace. And once again, we're talking with John Arand. I'm sorry, I'm babbling too much. I just love talking sports. It's great to have you here. John. <laughs> I'm just is, as excited. Yeah, Nick. well, I, I'm, again, I'm envious. You're the media reporter for Sports Business Journal here. So the Washington marketplace, I know, and I used to work with Ted Leonsis. Tell me what you think he would, in his sort of magic world, what, what would the marketplace look like for sports in, in Washington, D.C.? Obviously bigger, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're inside the box right now if you're thinking about Washington, D.C. Because the, the way that Ted Leonsis views this market, is that it's a market that goes all the way up to Baltimore, and it goes all the way down to Richmond and maybe even further south than that. He sees the, the this market as a gigantic, uh, I'm going to kill this word here, megapolis or megapolis. Yeah. Or, Megalo- megalopolis, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with you. There You're you the go. professional here. Yeah. Excellent. And so it, so he, he doesn't see the Capitals or the Wizards as Washington's team. He sees it as owning a population that's just as big as New York City, just as big as Los Angeles. And and those are the only two. Those are the only teams in town right here. And so he, what he wants to see and how he wants to go forward is just to to really expand the fan base as far as he can like that. He's a fantastic marketer, as we know. And the two sports he owns, NBA and NHL, do not have a rival until you hit Philly, right? And they don't have a southern rival until is it North Carolina? I guess would be the only one. Carolina, right? Carolina, yeah. yeah. So he does have that geographic expression. Unlike Dan Snyder, where there's NFL competition in Baltimore, and uh, I guess Southern would be in North Carolina, again, would be the closest NFL team south of here, correct? Correct. Uh, The NFL is different, though. The NFL, there's a scarcity of products. They they play 17 games, one game a week, uh, $110 billion. It's it's the most popular sport in America by far. I mean, a deep number two might be college football, and then there's everything else. The, the one sport, though, that uh, that really uh, pales by comparison is baseball. If you look at the Philadelphia is is just north of Baltimore, which is just north of D.C., yep. and, and all of a sudden it's becoming a crowded marketplace with yep. a bunch of teams. And New York is in that – New York with two teams is not is that far north of Philadelphia. Even. No. So, do you, in your opinion, are – or I shouldn't say opinion. It's probably mathematics. Are, are baseball baseball viewership numbers are down? Is that a fair assessment? Uh, all, all numbers are down pretty okay. much, but just because of the cord cutting that we talked about earlier. Understood. But I mean, just as a sport, do you think baseball is losing vitality uh, as an as as entertainment? Uh, no, I don't. I'm, okay. I'm I'm a I'm a big supporter of baseball. I think that if you, if you look at the national numbers, uh, so the numbers from Fox or the numbers from ESPN, they don't look great, but. If you look at the local numbers, if you look at what the Nationals do on Masson, they win the night for uh, in TV in terms of ratings almost almost every time that they play. Uh, if you look at e- even the Orioles, who have been miserable. I know we're both Orioles fans, right? Yes, we are. They've been miserable for four straight, five straight seasons. Those ratings in Baltimore still are among the highest rated th- things in, in Baltimore for, for, for the night. Yeah. Well, I was... I might say something snarky about my hometown. There's not much else to do except watch the Orioles. But yes, it is a, <laughs> it is a. Uh, you and I chatted. I haven't watched a game this season. It's absolute torture. We are I talking. Mean, go to with the John. Lyric op- Opera House or something, man. Come on, <laughs> right. good one. Good, good. Thank call. you. Thank you very We're much. We're talking with John Aran. John is the media reporter for Sports Business Journal here in the Washington D.C. megalopolis. It's what's working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. We'll be back with more great conversation after.
taking a break to discuss some ways you might become a little more involved with what's working in Washington. There's several ways. Number one, you could rate us, whether you're listening on on Federal News Network or perhaps on a podcast. Take a moment to rate us positively or negatively. We'd love to hear from you. Secondly, our audience is an obvious one. Folks that care about Washington, D.C. and the environs, folks that care about the Federal News Network, folks that care about our nation. If you'd like to have your message heard by that kind of audience, be sure to contact us for sponsorship opportunities. You can email me directly at walsh at AOL.com. That's W-A-L-S-H at AOL.com. Yes, it's a dated email address, but it still works. Lastly, we'd like to hear of guests that you think would be great for this show. If there's someone you believe would be a wonderful partner for me on what's working in Washington, be sure to email that same address with the person's name and what you think they'd be good at discussing with me. It's what's working in Washington. Once again, with John Arand. John is the media reporter for Sports Business Journal, and we are excited to have him here because sports is something I love to talk about, and I got a feeling those of you listening enjoy just as much, particularly sports in this market. And it's a fascinating market. We were talking during the break, John, about the old days, quote unquote, the old days, and you mentioned the Cap Center, right? So let's walk back in history a little bit. What? I mean, I went to the Cap Center a few times. And we talked about Memorial Stadium in Baltimore, which had, quote, a certain charm, and I'm using air quotes there uh, liberally. Times have changed so much. The venues are so slicker. The amount of money at stake for both seats and and food and beverages, it's just incredible to think back how cheap a night used to be at the Cap Center or at Memorial Stadium, a day at Memorial Stadium. How do you see today versus the old days? I'm going to sound old. I used to buy $5 bleacher seats, yeah. go sit in left field and just scream at the bullpen all, exactly all right. the time. Yeah. It was great. But, you know, what? what is unique about the Cap Center is uh, find one Washingtonian that romances about the Cap Center. You can't. Yeah. Like, it, it was just sort of some something that was built deep in the suburbs. People had to drive to, travel to. You Wait, would... are you talking about FedEx Field? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you meant the Cap Center. Basically, yeah. yeah. Uh, and— there was it was not a night out. It was like you would go for the game, you would watch the game, then you would come back home. Right. And in the in, then you had Abe Poland back yeah. in the 1990s deciding to to fund and build you know the what was then the MCI Center down there now Capital One Arena yeah. down in Chinatown. Uh, I went to Gonzaga High School right by there. We, we wouldn't walk through that area no. if, if you paid us. It was not a very good area. But very quickly after uh, after he built the arena. You know, the, you started getting restaurants around there. You started get, getting, you know, uh, different entertainment things. So the idea of just going to a game and coming home, it got expanded. Now people went out for the night. It was like, we'll, we'll meet for happy hour, then we'll go to the game, then maybe we'll have dinner afterwards. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we'll have dinner, go to the game, and drinks afterwards. Yeah. And that worked out really well. Then all of a sudden the, the Nationals came to town. They played in, in RFK. And again, that was you would go to the game and you, you would come back. Then they built uh, Nats Park, and there was nothing really around Nats Park at, at the time. Look at it now. And now if you're an owner of one of those teams, if you're a Ted Leonsis or, or Mark Lerner, you know you have these fans that are spending hours on either end of the games uh, sitting there sort of sampling your product and, 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 and building up the economy around, yeah. the, around those two uh, ballparks. So 
this is the collision between what you just said, and I completely agree with because you know the business. Uh, but the other argument sometimes is how owners put bond issues out to finance some of these giant NFL stadiums, and the burden is on the citizenry. And I know it's not it's not an argument for our time today, and we should maybe think put a pin in it and someday talk about it again. But yes, it revitalized these these stories that you're correct, and the same with Baltimore and Camden Yards and M&T Bank Stadium downtown that revitalized that part of Baltimore that was not good. And I grew up there, and I can tell you that you we're fishing dead bodies out of the harbor right right there in Harbor Place. But I, I also you see these bond issues on the top of citizenry. Sometimes the economics can get pretty scary. Yeah, and and that that's where it's going right now. Is all of a sudden you're finding fewer and fewer cities that can actually afford this. It's it's really it's similar similar to the way way that uh, the International Olympic Committee is yeah. accepts bids for uh, for the, uh, from countries to host the Summer Olympics. Yes, it's getting so prohibitively expensive. None of the countries can can make money off of it. Even not though only, not only do they not make money. After the Olympics leave, a lot of times the city is, is is sucked down. There's a rich heritage of cities that became economically not crippled, but certainly nowhere near their vitality post-Olympics because they spent so much money on the on the infrastructure. I'm interested in your thoughts on SoFi Stadium. Have you seen Have you seen that the new stadium? I haven't actually been been to it, yeah. but I, I will be going uh, this season definitely. Oh, yeah. I'm so jealous! I uh, want to. I can't wait for it. I mean, it, it looks yeah. unbelievable. But that's sort of a drive destination too, right? There's not. I don't think there's a lot of entertainment around it. Although inside is full of entertainment, so maybe that's the point. You build a whole city right there for the entertainment side. Yeah, I think that's what they did for uh, in Dallas. Yeah, uh, Jerry's around, World. around Jerry's World. Yeah, I, I was once sitting. I, I had great seats as on the 50 yard line, about 10 rows up, and. I was watching most of the game from this video board that was like the most amazing. It was better than my own eyes. It was the most amazing high-quality video you could uh, ever imagine. So this is the other issue, and thank you for bringing that up. Once again, we're talking with John Aran. John is the media reporter for Sports Business Journal. We're talking sports in general, but particularly sports in Washington, D.C., because the name of the show, gosh darn it, is What's Working in Washington. But I'm like you. Sometimes I find myself, like when I go to M&T to watch the Ravens, I'm watching the darn screen the whole time, and I'm like, wait a minute, I paid a gazillion dollars. <laughs> what am I doing here? I could be in my, you know, my my smart TV back in my den enjoying the game. It is incredible how the technology of what your experience in the in the arena is versus what it used to be in, in the cap, you know, cap center and stuff like that. I know Ted to bring up Ted Leonsis again has really increased connectivity and and your experience with your with your mobile devices and stuff for NHL games or NBA games is way richer than it used to be. Oh, and it has to be because that's marketing, you know, people get on social media and and talk about it. But I think one of the problems in, in Washington that uh, Dan Snyder is is falling into is a lot of these uh, localities, they don't necessarily want to pay all this money on a football stadium. That it's going to have eight dates a, a season for, right. for the NFL, well, plus preseason, maybe uh, maybe some concerts. Tops, it's going to be 25 dates a season. Yeah. And so it's like, well, how, why are we going to spend all that money based on based on that? And I think that's one of the problems that he's running into right now. So we're going to talk about the megalopolis, if I'm saying it right. What the hell? We're just going to make it up here. I'm following uh, on that. Yeah, definitely. thank yeah. you. Of Washington, D.C. as a market. I want to talk about some other sports as well, but here's here's my it's maybe as a gotcha question. I apologize up front. Have you ever had a good experience at FedEx Field? <laughs> yes, I left once in the third quarter and there was no traffic. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Duly noted. The best experience was leaving early. Uh, it's just it's just it's brutal. It's brutal out there. And those folks I know that are diehard Washington football team fans 
by the way, I like the fact that it's WFT as opposed to WTF, but Washington <laughs> football team uh, fans, for them to, to, to dedicate the parking and the whatever tailgating, I think tailgating is not that great out there, and then the restrooms and the sight lines and the sound, it's just, I just think it's a horrible experience. It's hard to get into. It's hard to get out of. They charge you for everything, everything. That, that once you get in there. Everything. It's just, it's not a good fan experience. So other sports, I mean, Clearly, we're in a, a major city and a major marketplace that can support professional teams in the in the let's say four major uh, major uh, uh, sports: NFL, b- basketball, hockey, and baseball. Do you see other sports having vitality here? I went to uh, Audi Field. You think soccer will will take hold here? I do. I think I think if you just take a look at the demographics of the country, I think soccer nationally is going to do better. I think that you're seeing a lot of. Uh, big media companies investing more and more in in soccer, and I think the, the MLS and DC United can sort of draft off of that. So I hope I, so. I am I'm, I'm a big supporter of uh, of soccer. I actually area. believe Ted Lasso is going to have an impact on the sport. I, I really do. I, I have you watched the, sh- you oh, watch the show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't it, agree more. It's, it, it just sort of brings it and makes it a little bit more uh, uh, identifiable. Yeah, I, I agree. The other is Audi Field. I mean, I haven't been there, but I am told it is a fantastic experience. You know, I saw a couple – I've seen some soccer games there, of course. I saw a couple of XFL games there when uh, the XFL was really? here. Really, Fantastic. It was just a fantastic environment. It's uh, Sight lines are good. It's intimate, right? You, I mean, you, it's intimate. I got there by Metro. Uh, it, 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 was, it, was, it was easy. Sold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't – I had forgotten the XFL played there. I did not make the game, but I was uh, part of a group that got a box to watch the Ultimate Frisbee Finals. Have you ever watched an Ultimate Frisbee contest? I've seen some highlights. I haven't actually watched a, watched a contest start okay. to finish, no. I, I mean no disrespect, but I think watching highlights is probably the best way to consume an Ultimate Frisbee <laughs> game. Um, it, it, it may or may not may or may or not catch on. I, from Baltimore, love lacrosse, and I think there have been some, some sputtered efforts to have a professional lacrosse league. I guess the most recent one with Paul Rabel seems to have some economic traction. Have you been following those guys at all? Oh, of course. I, I, I think it, Paul Rabel is somebody, he has a lot of energy. He gets a lot of people to follow him. The problem with lacrosse right now is that nationally, it just doesn't rate well. And so yeah. the media companies are, are loath to sort of support it. Yeah. It's funny you say Gonzaga. I used to go watch Gonzaga games, and the lacrosse ball would go flying through the fence out into the street there. I think it was going to kill somebody. <laughs> but Paul played for DeMatha, as you, as you may know, uh, in high school. And my son played against him. And then he had an incredible career at, at Hopkins. I, I guess I agree. I will say this. If you look at the Division I college game, the geographic places that starting players on those D1 teams are play, are from is so different than what it used to be. It used to be Baltimore, Long Island back in the day when you and I were growing up in, uh, in uh, Charm City. But now all over, uh, Florida, Texas, Ohio, California, Washington State. So I think it's starting to seed. I I obviously have a, a, a connection to it. I hope it does get some traction. I hope it does. It's a, it's a good sport, and I think in, in Denver, you know, the, at the college level, yes. you know, it, it's, it's getting beyond the Mid-Atlantic. It's getting beyond New England. Okay, now we got a few minutes left with our guest, John Arand, who is the media reporter for Sports Business Journal. We've covered a lot of topics, but let me do uh, – these are not gotcha questions, but let me, let me toss some ideas out and see where you go. Here we go. If you could name one other market that you wish you were the media reporter for, for the Sports Business Journal – which market would you move to? Oh, currently, right now, uh, Los Angeles, L.A. And uh, for for a team that you that might surprise you, the Clippers. Really, Steve Ballmer owns the Clippers. His local media rights deal is coming up, and the future of how we're going to be able, uh, how we're all going to watch uh, sports, 
it's coming out of that deal. Wow. He, he is a guy. He's a, he, he's like the West Coast uh, uh, Ted Leonsis. Yes. He's somebody who has a lot of money. He has a, a lot of guts. And he's going to make a big, bold deal with his local rights that uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens with that. Well, let's let's stay on that theme. If you could replace one owner of a sports team in Washington, D.C., who would it be and who would you replace it with if you have a candidate or what kind of candidate would you put in the ownership position? Well, so we, we talked about we talked about how both of us grew up as lifelong Oriole fans. Yes. And the Orioles are miserable. Yes. And they've been miserable and they, they, they act like a small market team, even though they're right here in, the, in, in this megapolis with that, real that, money. that we yeah. talk about. I would like to see somebody with a lot of vision take over the Orioles and just commit to bringing in a team that doesn't necessarily have to win all the time, but is at least fun to watch. John Aran, from your lips to God's ears, as they say. Okay, final gotcha question. If you could change one thing about the experience at the downtown, uh, either Nat Stadium or the Wizards and Cap Stadium, if you could change one thing, is there one little thing or a big thing that you would change? Don't say price, because we, we're not going to go there with the economics. Is there one thing that you would, that you would change, or do you think it's kind of it's kind of hitting it pretty well? I love everything about Capital One Arena. I think it's it's centrally located. I think it's easy to get to. From my home in Northwest, sometimes it's, it seems like it's easier to get to Baltimore than to get across town to Nats Park. So I, yeah. I would love to see something that makes Nats Park a little bit more accessible to people in Montgomery County, Maryland, people in Northwest D.C. I, I completely agree. Nats Park is exactly the one. John, it has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today here on What's Working in Washington. Thanks for being with us. Anytime. Thanks for having me. John Arand, everybody, media reporter for Sports Business Journal. He comes from Baltimore, so of course we had lots to talk about because that is my hometown as well. I come from D.C. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm That's a Washingtonian. Right. <laughs> Excuse me, John. I was about to completely destroy your reputation. Yeah, yeah I mean, come on. You're a, you're, a, you're a D.C. native. Okay, I'm from Baltimore, right? Right, right up the right up the highway, as they say. But it's been great to talk about all the things that matter to the sports marketplace here in the Washington, D.C. market. It's what's working in Washington, everybody. Thanks for listening. Our audience is an obvious one. Folks that care about Washington, D.C. and the environs. Folks that care about the Federal News Network. Folks that care about our nation. If you'd like to have your message heard by that kind of audience... Be sure to contact us for sponsorship opportunities. You can email me directly at walsh at AOL.com. That's W-A-L-S-H at AOL.com. Our executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Our content intern is Anna DeGraff. And the theme music is performed by the Aberman Brothers. Thanks for listening. You know, I often find myself wondering, what's great about Washington, D.C.? And then I'm reminded about our business, our government, our arts, our not-for-profits, our education arenas. All are fantastic and special, not only to our nation, but really to the world. I'm glad I live here. I hope you are too. And I hope that our show continues to give you some enlightenment, some information, some actionable intelligence, and hopefully some enthusiasm about what works in Washington, D.C. So once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. 